going to be bringing in somebody who was a, a pastor for over 40 years, um, a practicing counselor, somebody uh, who was well known in the denomination of churches I grew up in for creating voice and opportunity and space for women to gain uh, more leadership. Um, but probably most importantly today is, is my mother. So uh, mom, Cheryl Hanawalt is joining us here today. If you want to go ahead and kick on your camera and unmute yourself, mom, uh, thanks for coming in on this Mother's Day to join Join us. We thought we would facilitate a mother conversation on this day. Well, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Oh, thank you, son. Yeah. Um, well, we, we thought it would be good to have, so my mother and I have been having a, a lot of conversations this last year, just kind of taking a step back and uh, thinking about life as I have kids now. And um, we've already been having conversations that revolve around motherhood and revolve around kind of uh, multi-generations of our family. Um, but to start out, I thought I would love to just hear, Mom, um, I'm curious for you how becoming a mother uh, with uh, the birth of my oldest brother, Curtis, uh, how did that change your experience of faith or how did that ex change your experience of Jesus uh, when you made that shift into becoming a mother? Yes, so having been married for 10 years before your oldest brother was born um, and having lived a very adult life up to that point. So before Curtis was born, Two and a half years later, Christian is born. Three and a half years later, you were born. So in six years, I have three little boys. But the first 10 years of marriage, my life was very different. So we've been in graduate school, doing multiple jobs, starting a counseling practice. I started a branch office in Evanston, like, you know, 45 years ago when counseling was not really a big thing yet. And it was, so my life was I thought was very intentional about my faith journey and about kind of how I connected to community because we had a, a new church as well that we were pastoring. And then when I had three little boys and I, uh, all the competencies that I felt like I'd spent 10 years building, I felt like I had to start all over again. I mean, they were not that applicable to having three little boys at home anymore. So it was like, Oh, who am I? Uh, where is God? How do I hear him when the noise level never stops around me? Um, how do I uh, recognize his involvement when the primary activities of my life are fairly mundane and repetitive? And there's a lot of hours in my day I'm not completely engaged. <laughs> with my brain I'm just changing diapers I'm just chasing children and so that it, it it really changed how concrete my faith got and um so the one of the focuses then that became a part of my life at that point was um this joy experience that I would have on real small things they're actually quite amazing when you think about a newborn who makes eye contact with you and they do that first smile and the sense of I've helped create this person that wasn't who now is who is able to make eye contact who's able to roll over now and I'm sort of a, a expressive mother like you know you know that Kyle. I mean, so when my babies would learn to roll over, 
I would, I would go, oh, that's so great, <laughs> and startle them, you know, and so, uh, you know, Kyle had to kind of grow up with every little thing that he did getting, ah, that's so great, and, you know, that's not the small child, but it was very life-giving, moving, that was really moving, and then what it did was make me aware of what God as a parent experiences relating to me as a child. And that was just not really a part of my connection with him up until the point I had children. And it was sort of my more daily experience at that point. So as you learned to catch a ball, which was took a lot of being out in the backyard throwing balls, you know, I mean, as you learn to do that and my sense of, oh, look what he did and my sense of joy in that, that would remind me of something that I had learned to do and that God the Father was enjoying me. He was experiencing joy and pleasure because of me. And so that was a real focus of my spiritual and faith walk during those early years of my three little boys. No, and I, I think I like that having small kids myself, mom, I think there's a sense of like, there's there's a, a, a lot of little moments in the day that if you want to pay attention to can bring joy, but you're usually exhausted and tired. And so sometimes you kind of can roll through it. Um, but that I think there is like a, a coaching of yourself into seeing like, um, what does it mean to see God show up and, and rejoice in the smaller pieces of life? And I think uh, certainly before I had kids, there was a real sense of like looking in the big things, like what are the big things that have happened in my life? And uh, like, oh, God helped that big career shift happen or God was with me in that really big moment. Um, whereas certainly today, I can echo like my most constant experience of God is 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 when I'm uh, just trying to take a bath and decompress from a, a long day or drawing my attention to the the joy of the the chaos of being a parent opposed to just being aggravated about the chaos, which is uh, I think a, a real challenge at times. But um, I do like the idea of even this like when I finish a spreadsheet at work right now, it's the same God is like, oh look at you, you did it. This spreadsheet worked out. Look at that. Uh, and I just like that sense of uh, pride and joy that I appreciate. Um, I'm curious as well, you know, obviously being in our family, I know that there has been some some real challenges in our life, um, you know, and uh, I'm curious for you how your experience of faith or how Jesus kind of showed up for you or helped you in navigating uh, some of the harder parts of, of being a mother. I can only imagine being a mother in some of these or a parent in some of these situations, but even being a sibling, you know, thinking about things like um, Christian getting meningitis and losing his hearing as a baby um, to even me getting meningitis is kind of an echo of uh, not knowing if I got the same kind as him, uh, as well as just the the challenges that all mothers go through in trying to raise kids that are sometimes uh, difficult like myself, or even when they're not difficult, life is difficult. Um, I'm just curious how, how faith or how Jesus has kind of shown up for you or helped you in those challenges. Oh, yes. I mean, a big challenge for me was the recognizing how, um, how much, you know, how self-centered I can actually just be. I, I really do want a Saturday night. Uh, that's, 
not about parenting. I would really like a vacation that's not completely absorbed in things I don't really like to do. I don't like to go to go-kart places. I don't like to, you know, and it's still like all those noisy things that, that we did all the time. So, you know, just the awareness of having to choose something that I don't really want to do and how do I live there? That was kind of everyday uh, challenges. And the community, the faith community, the church that we were a part of at that point was a um, really a big help to me because there were other young mothers. And so kind of watching how they would do that helped me a lot. Uh, just having imagination because my mother was 17 when I was born and um, her mother died when she was five when she was the youngest of seven children. So my grandfather raised those seven children by himself. So there was a lot I didn't have an imagination for how to do. So watching my friends in community uh, helped sharing the frustrations and the lack of knowledge. There's just a lot of lack of knowledge for me about how to be a parent. And so that when uh, Christian has, you mentioned to those others of you that don't know. So Kyle's older brother, Christian, my second son, was at 11 months, um, yeah, meningitis. And um, it took a little while for the doctors, the hospital to recognize what it was. And um, so he was in, then in the hospital for 10 days and it was very touch and go as to whether or not he would live. And in the process of high fever, he lost his hearing. And so in those 10 days in the hospital, I lost community. I mean, I was absorbed. I, I was very absorbed in what was happening with this one child. I've got a two and a half or three and a half year old at home who really doesn't know where mom is or what's going on. And um, when we did make it out of that time and Christian made it through, he lost his hearing, but there were many other complications that did not happen. They told me might happen. I was, I was spinning. I didn't, I was in deep grief about what kind of loss this was for my family or Christian. What was this going to mean for the rest of our lives? I just, I didn't really know how to approach it. And I, I was pretty shut down and I withdrew from my community. So these wonderful friends, I mean, really some spectacular people were in my life at that point. I didn't, I didn't really wanna be with them because I was grieving and I'm angry a lot. And to tell you the truth, they couldn't do the right thing. I mean, sometimes we just don't know how to be helpful with people when they're in grief and we say and do kind of dumb, hurtful things even. and. Sometimes it was just because I was so angry and didn't know what to do with my grief that I, um, you know, they couldn't win with me. And I could tell that dynamic was going on. So I just kind of kept withdrawing, but they did keep pursuing me. <laughs> and um, that, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful because they really didn't have to. They could have said, look, you know, Cheryl's pretty difficult to deal with. When she comes through this, we'll be there for her, but leave her alone until then, because you can get yourself in trouble by doing nothing, you know. So, um, so I'm, I'm grateful for having had relationships and community, and it was God's primary way of encouraging me and speaking to me when I would get angry because 
I thought so-and-so was going to bring a meal and actually they'd been assigned a different day. I'm like, do these guys care at all about what I'm going through or not? You know, and um, I knew I was being unreasonable. So it was like, I just don't want to, I don't want them around me. Okay. <laughs> and um, what really affected me during that period of time was the realization that when we're in real grief, which almost some part of family life and raising children is going to be. It's, there's just going to be grief and some part of it in some ways, deeper, less deep, but it, it's part of just the disappointment and loss of certain things for our children that we want everything for. So I, um, after, after I, about a year of my pushing people away and being difficult with them and they're sort of staying there with me. Um, I, I begin to just sort of recognize I am just heartbroken. And I also am kind of stuck. And here's where I got stuck because I kept pushing people away. I had this kind of thing going on in me, which was, um, I am a failed mother. And those were specific words that came to my mind. I am a failed mother. I could not protect my child in the way I, I should have. I did not know he had meningitis. Now I know the hospital didn't know it and the doctors didn't know it either right away because it looked like the flu, but that doesn't matter. I was a mother and I was supposed to know I am a failed mother. So after I finally started connecting with my friends again and I, you know, I confessed that. And they're like, what? What do you mean you're a failed mother? You mean that you didn't know what the doctors didn't know? You mean you didn't get what the hospital didn't get? I'm like, yeah, because I'm the mother. And they're going, well, we're just not going there with you, Cheryl. Like, oh, okay. All right. This was, I did not provide all protection for him, but that was not being failed mother. That was being a mother. <laughs> that was being a mother. And um, just the relief that came to me through, and it just, you know, I had a, a time with my friends where they prayed for me. They're like, can we just pray for you about how you carried this for a year by yourself, knowing this is not how God sees you. This is not how he's relating to you. And um, wow. Anyway, that was, that that for me was community who, who helps bring God's truth and God's freedom to those things that happen that are great. Certainly. You know, one thing I've always been a little curious about. So uh, I knowing from our family story that I love to say I was not a, a planned child. Um, I think particularly, uh, particularly after, well, so I was born I'm three and a half years younger than Christian. It was, he was about a year old when he got sick and there was a lot of real struggles and challenges as you're walking through, is he ever gonna walk again? Is he gonna have permanent um, kind of like a, a brain damage? What's gonna happen here? And then you find out, you know, almost two years and nine months later that you're having another child. I, I'm just 
was what was your was there fear involved of like you know i've often thought like i have two healthy kids and there's like some fear of like you know just all of that kind of stuff i'm curious if you felt at all or if you felt a sense of peace or something um at that point because at that point it sounds like you had you'd done some grieving for a while i just i I guess i've never quite i put myself in your shoes there and i wonder how i would feel learning i was going to have another child after going through the trauma that you went through with christian Oh, yeah, I want to tell you this story. <laughs> so, the yes, I mean, it was a real calm that had really affected me after that. And so when we found out we were pregnant with you, I, I mean, I will never forget a, the sense of a really kind of a, a joy relief. It was, I felt like, oh, I have every expectation that God is with me and in in on this right now. And it really, you know, so there's all that, you know, this chemistry change that happens in you as you become pregnant as well. But it just felt like everything in my body and my spirit was working toward excitement and joy. And if you were an easy pregnancy, an easy delivery, all those things. So I was like, this, this was a really joyful time. It felt like, we're, we're a family again. We're, we're about the whole family again, not just about loss and death and deafness, you know? So that was, yeah, I think you really brought that. You know, it's interesting too. I think there's a sense of even there was a going through that experience with Christian actually increased your sense. Like, it's not like you had the reason you felt good about me is because all of the other kids, things had gone well with. There was like a sense of God is with you, even in the midst of like incredible difficulty that seemed to create a sense of peace of like, well, I know God's going to be with me even through extreme difficulty um, that seemed to born, uh, bear something different out, um, which I'd never quite have thought about before. I've, I know I'm a joy. So that well, that part wasn't a surprise, but uh, the other the other piece was so. Um, I'm curious as well, you know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, grandma was 17 when you were born. Um, and I'm just curious as we think about motherhood and now we have like generational, like you being a grandmother and all, you're, you have a granddaughter who's an adult now, let alone, it's all crazy things. Um, but I'm curious if you go back to your early years, um, even as you think about um, your mother being 17 years older than you, I just, I'm curious if there's any early memories or experiences or things you learned from your mother uh, that feel like it helped form uh, your experience of faith or image of God in a positive way. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I've got several stories I'd like to tell. So let me reduce that. To, uh, <laughs> um, well, my, actually, I grew up in a very traditional church with a very traditional approach to how you scare people into faith with God, you know, so I had heard one of those sermons and I, my mother uh, required me as a child to go to church, me and my siblings, but my parents did not go. It was just, I don't know how they came, they got, (laughs) how they were able to accomplish that, but they did. And so I came home that day and I'm telling my mom about what the pastor has said. And I I could see she was trying to stay kind of calm about it. And then in the end, she was like, well, can we just, I don't remember the exact word she said, because I was about eight, but I remember the sensation and the effect and the message for me. And the message was, 
could we start over talking about God right now? Can we like just set that aside? Pastor wants you to know, and here's what I want you to know, which is he, he, God, Jesus is so for you. He really wants good things for you. He is like always working to bring good things to you. There are these gifts he's going to give you throughout your life, and he's going to make sure that you get them. And that's not always going to be easy because there'll be things in the way of you getting those good things. But he's like going to always be fighting for you. That was the message that she gave me as a child. Then um, another one was when I was uh, about in middle school, my mother got up at 430 every day because she want had four children and needed some time alone and we were early risers so from 4 30 to 5 30 was about the only time she ever got by herself that she wasn't totally exhausted so she would get up at 4 30. i never knew what she did in those times but in middle school one day i came in she was in the other room and beside her chair was this notepad and i shamelessly opened it to see what was in it and um it was these prayers that she'd written to Jesus about her family. And I'm going, I didn't even know my mother prayed. I mean, she did not make a big deal out of her talking to God as this spiritual thing she did. It was just part of her life. And that, so I thought, I get, I, I've benefited from that. So much so that by the end of my life, so in my 60s, you know, dad and I were traveling a lot and traveling in the Middle East and some places that were not totally safe travel places. My mother's never been outside the country. That just scared her to death. She was like, oh, why are you doing this? What's going on? But so she started painting, you know, as she got older, uh, oil painting. And when, she, when I would go out, out of the country, she would set herself up to start a new painting. She said, I can pray for you without anxiety when I'm creating beauty. I, that just so impacted me of what it means to feel to connect to God when you're anxious about being a parent. And um, just, I think something she really gave me of, what are those things that help you connect easily with God when you're feeling anxious as a parent? So every time I went out of the country, you know, one of those paintings, you guys have some of them, all the grandchildren have some, we have some. Those mostly were her prayer paintings. That's, I, I guess I didn't quite realize. I usually, I knew I had the paintings. I didn't quite realize the, the, the genesis of kind of where those, the, the heart that those are born out of. Um, you know, still talking a little bit about your mother, you know, um, you know, part of Mother's Day is the complexity of this day, that it is not one thing um, for any of us, let alone all of us. Um, and I think it's probably true of your relationship with your mom. I just, I know that you had a complex relationship with your mother, particularly in adulthood. Um, I'm just curious how faith or how you found Jesus or God to help you as an adult navigating uh, a challenging at times and complex relationship with your own mother. Oh, good. That's good. So, you know, so I'm 30 as I have my first son Curtis and as Kyle would tell me I have to tell everybody when he was a little boy so I was 36 when he was born and um at his elementary school one day he comes home he goes mom do you know you're the oldest mom in my school <laughs> I 
I don't think so, right? <laughs> but in here, compared to my mother, who was 17 when I was born, <laughs> um, it, was, it was very, that was a very different thing. But when I became a mother, and people, I would say, you know, that I don't really know how to do this. And people would say, oh, don't worry about it. Becoming a parent, being a mother just comes naturally. You'll just know what to do. And I'm thinking, yeah, that worries me because what's going to come naturally for me is doing what my mother did. And so what if I don't want to do everything my mother did? And um, that, so that reality for me became, I have this, this mother who is almost everyone in the neighborhood, people that she works with regard her as a person that you can sit down with and you will feel loved and warm and included. And um, I mean, that's just truly her and her personality. But when I was born at 17 and she didn't have a mother who was around past five, she was born in the depression. She, she you know, had her early years in the depression. Um, being a mother was not her strength initially. <laughs> and I was, I was dependent on her during that time. So she was not, she did not know what emotions were influencing how she responded to me when she felt ashamed when I didn't do something right because, you know, as a toddler, I'm forever not doing something right in public and she's feeling embarrassed and doesn't quite realize that. So it, her response to me is, why did you do that? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and so there were things in the relationship that um, created harm for me. And um, at the same time, she greeted me every morning. She woke me every morning with Sherry. That's what she called me. Sherry, it's time to wake up now, honey. Three minutes later, I'm coming in to wake you up, honey, and would kiss me. And I mean, that's, that's the same woman who was really harsh with me sometimes and was incredibly warm and loving with me other times. So here's, here was my confusion um, and how I relate to her. I remember... Um, spending a number of years telling everybody, I come from the greatest family. My mother is the best. You'll love her. She's wonderful at everything she does. And then I spent about another year, 10 years telling everybody, you do not want to be around my mother. I mean, she is difficult. <laughs> and so I'm like, what's the real truth? Well, both were the real truth. And very hard to hold on to both that her being so warm and loving did not mean that she didn't also really hurt me and bring harm to me at other times. And her being really hurtful to me at some times did not mean that she didn't really nurture and love me. So, so as I'm trying to take that in, and here's how it comes out, then as a parent, I'm doing some of the same things she did. All those things I said, I'll never do that to my kids. So I'm yelling at you at points when you're doing what a four-year-old's gonna do and I'm embarrassing you in public. And I'm going, I can't believe it. I'm doing just what I said I would never do. And now I am bringing harm to my child 
in that same way. So I was like, okay, I'm so confused. Do, don't you think my mom should get a pass for having been born in the depression? Don't you think that she should get a pass for losing her mother? I, don't you think she should get a pass for being a 17 year old mother? Well, but she can't get a total pass for the things that she did that hurt me because they still were wrong. And I have to know they're wrong and I wanna be able to forgive them or I can't hold myself responsible for what I do to my children. And so I, I can think of some things you should give me a pass for, but you know, I, <laughs> I don't get a total pass either. I gotta admit, no, I did that to my child too. So that was my tension with God for a number of years, just trying to work this out. I'm so confused about this, God. So one of the things that kept coming back to me was um, I would approach, okay, I'm not going to do that to my children now. I know it's wrong. I know it's hurtful to them. I'm not going to do it. And did that mean I didn't do it? No. So I was like, okay, what else do I need to know? And what else I needed to know that helped me was to be able to say, I'm really not any better than my mother. I thought I was going to be better than her. I thought I wouldn't do the dumb things she did. I mean, I'm 30, not 17. I, I And I'm not really better except in these amazing, gracious ways that Jesus helps me. And so I have to say, no, that was harmful what mom did. And it's harmful what I do. So as I ask for forgiveness, I want to forgive her. And that began to kind of break some things loose so that I didn't pass everything on full force to my children to just repeat again. And um, some of those things I did because I was struggling with it over time. So that means that there are still those things that you had to struggle with, you have to struggle with forgiving me, not giving me a pass, but saying, yeah, even with what mom was going through, and that matters because some of it was not intentional. I want to forgive her because as a parent, I may have to ask for forgiveness as you. So that, that was, um, I think that's the lifelong faith journey that's still going on for me. I mean, just recently it occurred to me for the first time that my mom um, being a 17 year old mother, like she was 20 when I was three. And I just had this picture of running in the backyard with her and she's hanging up the laundry, but she's 20. I mean, she's got energy. She plays games with me all the time. She like never stops moving. She's, I don't know what it was like to be a 20 year old mother. Sounds good. <laughs> so I just like, they were those I'm still learning what she gave me and what was sweet about it that um, I'm 70, so I'm still learning you. So well, that was a long time. I said, is that, was that what you were looking for? <laughs> yes. That's a, well, it's interesting to mirror, you know, you and I have over the last, I would say five years, since I really became a parent, I think asking deeper and harder questions with you and I, and, um, you know, myself holding this tension in this relationship of all of the ways that being your son has been a really blessing to me, but then also recognizing the ways that 
there's things that were done that were hurtful to me and things that were done that set me up poorly and created cycles and, and things in my own life that are not serving me. Um, and, you know, the one thing I, I say here, and, and maybe the one thing I, I do hold on to for myself is that the reason I have been able, I, I think I got a little bit of a jump start in trying to do that cycle because I think you were trying to do that work before me. Um, and I think in your effort to become healthier didn't mean, and like, you know, you going through your own counseling, you going through your own growth and healing and self-understanding didn't prevent you from hurting me, didn't prevent you from perpetuating the brokenness of the world that lived through your mother and now lived through you and now lives through me with my own kids. But I did get some models and some advantages to begin uh, that process now and, and going through that process in my 20s of saying, what does it mean that both my parents are awesome and I love them and I've also been hurt by them? Um, and so that's what I think about with my own kids is I'm not going to avoid hurting them, but how do I teach and model them that they uh, they can acknowledge the, the trauma and the hurt of life that is going to come from me? Um, and part of that, I think, is is trying to pursue health and growth in myself in this. So... Uh, certainly appreciate that. Um, well, I got one last thing before we wrap up here today. You know, you and I have been talking a lot about, you know, since your mother passing away and then dad's mother passing away this last year, that uh, uh, your parents' generation are no longer with us. And so you and I have done a lot of talking about who they were, a lot of like where we came from. You're now 70. And like I said, you have an adult grandchild. Um, and knowing some of these these conversations we've had about our history and where we've come from, and now looking forward to multiple generations before you, I wonder if seeing that larger picture of ancestry, of the people that have come before you and the people that are coming after you, life, I wonder if that's kind of changed or helped you see God differently at all, uh, having this larger view of than just your own experience of life, but connected to your mother and your grandmother and me and my children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so some of the research that we've just started doing, dad and I, you know, uh, being retired, we finally have a little bit of time in the pandemic, we have a little more time to do some of those things. Um, we have un we've uncovered some things that we thought were the case, but didn't really know, and just so gotten some more certainty on that. But it, there, there's two things that happened, sort of my two families. There's my family of origin in my ancestry there. And then there are all those, my family and faith. And, um, that has really affected me too, because as we've been able to be in different countries throughout the world and see how families work and how parenting works and um, the, the greatness <laughs> of the different ways that family can be done, that parenting can be done, really helped me not have such a narrow perspective on what has to happen for my children and for my grandchildren. And so uh, just that sense of throughout time and throughout different cultures, the variations on how these things get worked out between parent and child is just, that has been a great source of uh, life for me. 
And then for my family specifically, so, you know, one of the examples that we found was we always did think that my grandmother come from Cherokee background, but where I grew up in Southern Missouri, a lot of people say that they have Cherokee background. And so I'm not sure I ever really believed that. And so after being able to do a little more research, we found that actually we did find that great grandmother and, um, uh, in her existence. And then when we looked into that, what we found out about um, the particular tribe that she came from are known for um, being where most of the peace chiefs come from. So in the Cherokee Nation, there are war chiefs and peace chiefs. And some tribes sort of have more war chiefs and some tribes have more peace chiefs. And of peace chiefs, meaning that uh, our we saw our responsibility to be bringing in people, looking out for them, making sure they were safe, hoping they felt included, sort of building community. And it, I mean, it was so, I'm like, I never even knew any of that. I never knew that person. I hardly knew my grandmother, but that um, is a part of who our family is in this one piece, but not just that one piece. Then there are the Chandlers, part of my family who were involved in Springfield, Missouri in the very beginning days of that developing as a town, that they were there and they were a part of those people that came to develop that town and pull people in and, and set up. I'm thinking that's who we are. I mean, this is wild. There's things we've come from through generations that have always sort of been in existence that get to be ours, even when we don't know how we got it or exactly where it came from. You know, and that, that's the way I think of you. I think of you and your brothers, you enjoy bringing people together, looking out for them, wanting them to feel safe, included, you know? And so I'm like, wow, we didn't even know where some of that came from. And God just operates in us generation after generation so I like and I watch my grandchildren now the little ones and I can and I can see them doing some of those things too and I'm like oh yes it's just in you guys <laughs> so yeah that's really precious to me right now yeah I appreciate it. I like that a lot and I think to me even hearing those stories helps me think about the like uh the idea that God has always been working and he didn't just show up you know when I was born right. um just and Culture, right. Yeah, just he was he was hanging out, and then that day I was born was like, oh, okay, now I I'm gonna kick into gear. It's it's go time now. Kyle's alive, um, but there's a sense to me that I think it feels um, helpfully humbling to me in some ways of like realizing that um, there's things that have come before me that are good, and and there's also things that have come before me that are, are not great. And um, where I exist in this society is a, is a part of a story that is going to be going on to my kids and be going on to my kids and thinking about God's moving in the kingdom of heaven, bringing it to earth that like where I'm part of the story is not just about what's in this moment. It's about helping help creating a world that I want to be true beyond myself. And just seeing, we're talking like, we're, we're talking like two generations ago, you know, uh, going through my gr grandma being born in the depression through today, my kids living through this pandemic. And there's like, uh, like 
not a lot of generations there, but you realize that God has been alive in all of it. And I feel like God has been working through all of it. And um, I just really uh, appreciate you coming, Mom. I appreciate you talking and sharing some thoughts and just enjoying this Mother's Day conversation. I wonder if you would help wrap up and just pray for us really fast. I will, I will, yes. Oh, Jesus, the, the experience of what you would want to give us that would connect us with our mothers, <laughs> with our children. We, we ask for your presence in that and your blessing on it. I mean, we believe you're, you're wanting to bless that. So uh, thank you for like always being at work to bring us together where we have so much separation from generation to generation. And um, I especially pray for the mothers that are listening right now, oh, that their joy would just really be uh, great today as they faithfully do things they don't want to do and things they do want to do. I just do bless them, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>